Today we are wrapping up this message series. I don't know if we've had a message series that's lasted 10 weeks before. I don't know, many, maybe some of you can remember, but 10 weeks is a long time. And we've really just done a survey of the entire Bible. We've just kind of picked all the main themes. You can kind of see the little pictures up here, and they represent like creation. You know, we've even looked at like the fall of mankind, and then we've looked at redemption. And all of this, we've seen God was preparing his people to respond to his ultimate act of redemption through Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to wrap this up with talking about eternity. And this is kind of sometimes a bizarre concept, a bizarre topic, but we're going to really do our best to really look at it. And before we do that, I want to show you, it's not a brief video, okay, it's about six minutes. I want to show you a video that really tries to, you know, one, it'll summarize everything we've been talking about up to this point, but also it'll kind of like help you conceptualize this whole concept of heaven and earth. Now, I want to prepare you, these guys are just doing their best to help us understand some very complex things found in Scripture. So I'm going to sit down because it's long, and let's watch it. So in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, but here's what's really interesting, is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but... This idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy, because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart, and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning, where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together perfectly no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world, and so on. But as humans, we wanted to create a world apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a, a clear distinction. So you said that these spaces can overlap, though. So explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and and goodness, and justice, and beauty. The human space is full of sin, and injustice, and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap if they're so different, and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's 
kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin when the animal dies in your place. And it creates a clean space, so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. But you said the story of the Bible is all of heaven and earth reuniting. Right. So we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and made his dwelling among us. Now, this word dwelling is really curious. Literally, it means he set up a tabernacle among us. And so what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around, hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus, and they kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple, he's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is, what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space to be with Jesus. Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible's story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation we get this beautiful image of the now in the form of coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. All right, we'll go ahead and cut it. Um, it's messing up there. So that's the end of it. But let me just wrap up those little main theme that you've missed there at the very end. It's basically talking about how, and we'll touch on this in the scriptures, about how Garden of Eden is presented like a holy city in the end times and then that'll be brought down and the new heaven and earth will be created and it'll be so we'll we'll get into that but that's what they're saying there so you know that video it personally leads me to a lot of gratitude i've not seen it like four times you know and um i really appreciate it you know it's not perfect but i really appreciate it and it really helps me understand kind of and i hope it is for you what god is trying to do um, so I want to invite you to pull out your listening guide, and we're going to dig into the book of Revelation today. And this, at the top of your listening guide, you're going to see that God's epic story continues 
without end. And we're going to look at how it continues with that end and what that end is. Um, the book of Revelation is the last book in the Bible, and it's written by the Apostle John. John is one of the original 12 disciples that Jesus chose. Um, he's one of the original 11, because remember, Judas didn't do this, so one of the original 11 that um, helped start the church. And he's the only one out of the 11 that wasn't martyred or wasn't killed for his faith. And what he was, his punishment was he got to be, um, he was banished to the island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea, which is off the coast of Ephesus, which is modern day Turkey. And he had to be banished there and lived the remaining um, days of his life kind of isolated and separated. And it was there that he received these visions And he wrote the book of Revelation. And let's look at the opening vision of what he sees. He not only looks into the future, but he also gets to look into heaven and see what this is all about. And I'm going to do my best, guys, to really kind of, just to pause for a second, I'm going to do my best today to really give you a brief snapshot of a very large and complex story. Okay? So, we're not going to cover everything. We're going to look at the most important parts and see why we need to know this, and how this applies for us today. So, it's going to be brief. Just bear, bear with me on that. So, in the opening vision, I'm going to read it to you. It's in Revelations chapter 5, verse 11 through 13. It says, Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, um, and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Remember, he talked about Jesus being the Lamb. And we sang about that song, Holy, Holy is the Lamb who was slain. Um, To receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard, this is important, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, all that is in them, saying to him, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be blessing, honor, and glory and might forever and ever. So let me pick this apart for you. There's two main themes I want you to get from this, and I can barely conceptualize this. But basically what we learn from this is, one, is that, you know, who's worshipped? It's the Lamb who was slain, Jesus. And what they're worshipping is, is finally, you know, you look at it, it says, all of creation... Every single thing, every single person will finally, everybody's eyes will finally be opened and everyone will say, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. They will finally see what God has done in Jesus. We will understand who we are, we will understand who He is, and we will be thankful for what He's done. And we will understand what he's done. I don't even understand that. Like, I get a glimpse of what God's done. I get a glimpse of who I am. I get a glimpse of... Because you wouldn't follow God if you didn't truly love what Jesus has done. I wouldn't follow him. Why bother? So I get a glimpse of it enough to stake my life on it and make my life about it. But I don't fully see it. I don't fully see the error of my ways. I don't fully see how great it was that he paid the price for me to have a clean space to relate to God. 
So let's move forward. There's more to the celebration and another vision. So it's described in Revelation 7, 9 through 10. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before in robes, standing in white robes, and with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So not only is it, you know, he's, it's talking about a great myriad of people, a large multitude of people, of every nation, every tribe, every tongue, many time periods. And this is a picture of where history is really going. God is patiently waiting and working out his plan. And we've talked a lot about that plan up till now. And you can listen to these on our website if you've missed some of them. Um, But God is patiently waiting and building this multitude of people that's described in this passage. Um, We who know Jesus and have made our lives about that are part of gathering more and more people to this multitude. Because we want them there. When someone decides to follow Jesus Christ, they become a part of this multitude. Um, God really is creating a new heaven and earth. And those who choose him will be there. So, um, so all throughout this story that we've been looking at so far, God has really been working towards, remember way back at the beginning, we talked about the promises given to Abraham, where God said, I will make many descendants for you. I will give you, you know, he told Abraham to look out at the stars, right? And he said, I will give you as many children as there are stars in the sky. What he was referring to was this multitude that they're talking about in Revelation. This is the revealed promise given to Abraham. And we, when we personally decide to follow Jesus Christ, when he calls us to him, we become part of the heir, an heir to the promise given to Abraham. We become part of that. That is our promise. And so it's, I don't know. The, the, if you really want to look this up in the New Testament and see how we're tied to that, you can look it up in Galatians 3.29. There's other passages too, but I just wanted to give you that. And some of you are already kind of experiencing the blessings of this promise and knowing God. Like, you're experiencing a glimpse of what it means to have this eternal vision in your life in the here and now. But most of this, most of what the Bible promises for following God is later. A lot of it is later. We still live in this broken world where trouble happens. And so, um, you know, up till now, Josh has been talking about all these elements to a story. Okay? In all these different sermons, we've been looking at, you know, this epic story. And we've been looking at the different elements to a story. And what you have in these elements is you've, you've got characters... You have a setting. We've talked about the different settings and characters. There's a theme, kind of a plot to this story. We've looked at that plot and theme. And then there's a conflict or a problem. And we discussed the conflict and problem with the fall and all this stuff. And then there's a resolution. This is usually how the story's wrapped up. And, you know, a lot of uh, movies and TV shows and whatnot always have a nice little neat bow to tie the story into the resolution. And, you know, some, like, I don't know, if you're like me, like, I don't need to have everything tied up in a story. I like Lost. You know, many of you like Lost. You know, where they don't need to tie everything up, right? They told you enough. Right? <laughs> anyways, sorry. Um, so anyways, um, I know a lot of people disagree with that. But um, 
All right, we'll get off lost for a second. But um, the Bible doesn't have loose ends. It really doesn't. And I'll try to explain this. God really does wrap up human history. And he really will remake heaven and earth beyond its original beauty. This isn't going to be just as good as. So let's look. He gives us um, a glimpse of eternity. And let's look at this glimpse that John is giving us in Revelation. The first thing, and you'll see this on your um, listening guide, is he's going to a new, he's going to make a new heaven and earth. It says in Revelation 21, 1 through 2, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first time, heaven, or excuse me, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. That was in the end part of the video that got messed up. And this, the imagery here is really like a wedding. If you think about a wedding, and you think about where God is preparing his new home, kind of his new house and his new space for his bride, which is the church, which is us, which is the multitude of people that we just talked about. And it's not, okay, this isn't like the new earth isn't going to be like you know, the new upgrade for the iPhone, you know. It's not going to be like, it's new, and then in a year it's not new, it's old. It's going to be the final upgrade, like, it will be the only upgrade. And we don't, we don't even understand that, right? Like, I don't even, and I'm not going to try to understand that. Like, you know, new today is old tomorrow, you know, that's our mindset. So, it's hard for us to get that. Now, also what we get a glimpse of in eternity is this, is that God will live with us. Okay? And it says in Revelation 21.3, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. So, since the fall, we've had a separation from God. You know, we, uh, they, they did a good job in the video trying to describe the whole temple and how we can have access to him. And through the sacrifice of the cross, we can have a space. So, like, we can have an individual space with God. But he doesn't dwell with us. We're still separated. We're still here. And so we don't even know what that's like. Like, Christians don't know what that's like. Because um, we haven't done it yet. We haven't experienced what Adam and Eve did. So we will finally experience that. So Christ, you know, he tore down the wall of separation. It's already been done. It's already been paid for. We're just waiting for it to come to full fruition. We're waiting for that multitude to be gathered, essentially, is what we're waiting for. Um, also in Revelation 21, 7, it says, The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. And you and I can really draw close to God. It says children. Um, also, God promises this. The next point in his eternal vision is this, is no more curse. You know, we learned way back at the beginning of creation, I think it was the second week where we talked about the curse, that the earth has been cursed by God. Our very existence has been cursed. Like, it is basically the consequence of Adam and Eve and of us all saying, I don't need you, God. I'll be my own God, essentially. And I can really parse that out. Josh already did. And I actually enjoy parsing that out. So if you want to talk about that, I'm willing to talk about that. Like, I really like talking about and clarifying and understanding for myself like what man did to be separated from God. Actually, I need to know that. 
Because if I don't know that, and if you don't know that, then why are we in trouble? You need to know why we're in trouble with God. And I needed to know why I was in trouble with God if I was going to pay attention to this God and really, you know, give a care in the world of what Jesus did. So, Revelations 2, 21, 4-5 says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who, who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down. Not the George Strait song, but... Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. You know, some of you, all of us actually, have really bore a lot of pain in life. But some of you have bore a lot more. And, um, I am really looking forward to that not being there anymore. Some of you have just really suffered a lot. And and we'll get to the so what of this whole thing. Like the so what then, Scott, you're telling me all these great things about heaven, but how does that help me today? We'll we'll try to get to that the best I can. But I just want to tell you like imagine that for a moment. Imagine the curse, the consequences of sin and death being taken away. I don't even know if we can. Our whole existence is based on trouble, right? Have you gone a day without trouble? Have you gone a day without some kind of pain? I haven't. Our whole experience in life is based upon trouble and pain. Now, there's more than that. I'm not saying it's all like, all right, good luck, see you later. Good luck getting up tomorrow, you know, like, you know, but, I mean, there's more than that, but I do want to, validate that experience. I mean, I have a whole job. I, You know, I, I do therapy and counseling and things like that for a living. And my whole job is because of trouble. It's my whole job. So also we learn that um, life has no end. Um, 21 verse 6 says this. And then he said, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, which is the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. There will be no payment for this life with God. It has been paid for in Jesus. You don't have to pay for this. You don't have to earn this. It is done in Him. This is really where things are headed. It's personally comforting to me to know that I don't need to really Um, know every detail. Matter of fact, God hasn't given us every detail. But it's personally comforting to me to know that I have enough to hope in tomorrow and to get through today. We don't have to speculate or live in fear or wonder what if, what is that, what's going to happen. You know, we don't have to do that. You know, His eternal plan, it will bring blessing, blessing to those who love Him. And we don't have to live in fear. You know, it really helps me personally 
to know that this is going to happen. Like, it really, really helps me. Um, I really believe these things. Like, I really do. I really, and many of you do too. Like, we really, really, like, this isn't just some little dance we do here on Sundays and then we go in with our life. Like, we really believe this stuff. It's not some pretense. Um, but if you're like me, it's really difficult to conceptualize it, isn't it? I mean, just be honest for a minute. It's really difficult to think, all right, that's great. That'll be then. Is that really going to happen? Or is it, what's it really going to be like? Like, will I be me? Will I know people? Like, what's this new earth going to be all about? Is it going to be like this one? Is it going to be better? Is it going to be, like, will there be ground? Will I work? Will I, you know what I mean? There's all these questions. All these things. Um, so it's hard to conceptualize. And maybe it's because of, like, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's my age, being 41. Like, maybe I'm just too young or too connected to this life to really care about that. Maybe it's, um, maybe God created us that way. Maybe it's just our ability to not know. Like, we just can't know yet. You know, maybe if we did, we'd all be, like, we'd all just hunker down and be like, well... This world went in the toilet, you know, like, might as well eat, drink, be merry, and wait for death, you know? Like, I mean, maybe maybe that's why we don't really truly are able to fully conceptualize what is to come. But we can get a glimpse, and that glimpse can help us for today. So let's look at Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples, okay? And he wrote to the church in the first century, and God really wanted Peter to communicate some things that God's people have had to live in light of what will come at the end. So here's what we learn. And then we'll talk about some other things after this. But we learn that this, the promise of heaven can change our outlook today. And I'm going to read a passage to you, and then we're going to pull out of this passage. What? So this is found in 2 Peter chapter 3, 8-13. And I think it's up here for you, so I'll read along with you. But it says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, And a thousand years as one day. So time doesn't matter to him. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. He's patient. So he's not slow, he's just patient, okay? It may seem like he's slow, but he's patient. Towards you, towards people, not wishing that anyone should perish but that all should reach repentance. So he's building that multitude we talked about. Alright? But the day of the Lord will come, and it will come, and it will come like a thief, quickly, a thief in the night, it says. And then the heavens will pass away, and with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be fully exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved... Since this life will be done and will be exposed, what sort of life are we ought to live? If your boss came to you and said, okay, I got a project I want you to work on the next year, and at the end of the year, everything you've done, I will fully, will fully be realized to everybody in our business, and then it's just going to be burned up. (laughs) Wouldn't you have a little bit of a different focus? I mean, wouldn't you want to at least talk to that boss and say, whoa, 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 wait a second, what? 
You're going to know everything I did in every second, and it's going to just be thrown away. What's the point? I would need to know a few things, right? Well, God's told us a few things, as we've been reading about the last, or learning about the last nine weeks. So anyways, let's look at, wait, I, I think I didn't finish the verse here. So since these things are to be dissolved, what sort of people are you ought to be um, in lives of holiness and godliness, which we'll talk about, waiting and for the hastening and coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness will dwell. So since earth will burn apart, burn up, you know, like we said, what kind of people are, how should we live our life today? So, um, I can live differently. This can affect how I live today. You know, if I really believe this, this can affect how I live today. Now, on the flip side, let's pause for a moment. On the flip side, if I really don't believe this, and I'm not, by the way, just to clarify, guys, I'm not mad at anybody. If you don't believe this, I'm not mad at you. Like, you're not in trouble. Like, I'm not here to say, why don't you believe? I'm not here to say, you know, you're going to hell. I'm just here to tell you what I believe and what the Bible's saying. And I think it's good. And, you know, so if you don't believe this, it's okay. I hope you will. I hope you do. But it's okay. So, on the flip side here, if you don't believe, or if you don't know, or even those of you who walk with God and you're not fully sure about this whole eternal vision for life, like, I don't know if I can buy into this, God. I don't know. How does this work out? I think it's going to be good, but I can't think about it right now. It's too stressful. It's too weird. I just got to, like, I got to get to work tomorrow. I got to pay my rent. My kid's acting up. Like, I'm, I'm suffering from whatever. Or, I'm just having a good time. But let's say, on the flip side, that, you know, you think that this life is all there really is, the here and now, the today, which there's some aspects of living life that way that are beneficial. Then, you know, our main goal then at that point is to get what we can get in the here and now, right? Get mine now. Like, I'm not building towards the future. I'm building towards today. And um, if you live this way, you might find it disappointing because life isn't that good. It's not horrible, but it isn't that good. It always seems like everybody else is having fun, right? Not us. And uh, I've, I've actually, so let me, you know, to kind of frame this a little bit. Um, this spring, actually, it's 21 years since I've been sober from substance abuse. 21 years. Now, this isn't, you know, a time for me to like, hey, isn't that great, guys? You know? Like, that's not the point of this story. Like, the point of the story is just to set a frame to this. Like, so, you know, more than 21 years ago, you know, the, the great thing about my story is that my parents, who are actually here today, and my grandparents, um, actually built into me this truth. This whole eternal vision, I knew it from a young age. I was taught it and I believed it. I did. In the, in the deepest, darkest times of my life, and in deep inside of me, I knew this was true. God just, he embedded that into me. 
But for some reason or another, at that time, my whole focus was, and this is the best way to sum up my desires in life, it's fun now. Fun now. Not fun tomorrow, fun now. And imagine being driven by fun now. Imagine what kind of decisions you make. And you know what? It was cool for a while. But then fun now, with this knowledge of eternal things, fun now became not so fun. Because inside of me, I knew what was to come. And it wasn't enough. And so I thank God for two things that happened. One is I thank God that my taste for fun now died. It was no longer pleasurable. I lost the flavor for it. And then I'm thankful for I became, I had an appetite for God. I had an appetite for His Word. I had an appetite for Jesus. And that was the only thing that could satisfy. And so I am thankful for that, as many of you are too, for yourself. And so here's some big lessons we can learn about in light of eternity for today. And this is what I want you to take home. These are not on your guide. So I'm just going to tell them to you. If you want to take notes, you can. If not, just hear them. And let them simmer in and be just intellectually and emotionally open to this in the here and now. Even if you disagree. So I don't expect, because of all this, I don't, because of this whole epic story that we've looked at for all these weeks, I don't expect to live trouble free. But I can have hope. You know, when trouble hits, I don't have to freak out. I may freak out a little bit. But it doesn't have to rock me. Um, I can know that God is still in control. Matter of fact, the Bible actually tells us to expect trouble because of the curse. And, um, and the great thing is I can be hopeful in the midst of trouble. The Bible says, it says in uh, Philippians 4, 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You notice it doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances. It says rejoice in the Lord. And that in the Lord means rejoice in the fact that God will win in the end. Rejoice in the fact that you can be, the curse can be taken away. Rejoice for the fact that you can be in a new earth where things actually work right and the air isn't trying to kill you. And every microorganism living in the dirt and every, everything's trying to kill you, but yet a small immune system is keeping you alive. You know? It's terrible. We can rejoice in the Lord because that will be finished one day. It's kind of like this, okay? This, this is a side note. I went on a uh, camping trip with my family a couple weeks ago and I won't go into the whole story about this tarantula but I'll tell you a little bit about it. So there's this tarantula we found and then there's this predator called the tarantula hornet wasp hawk thing. It's like a bug. looks like a big wasp with orange wings and it, Sting, it fought, fought this tarantula for like a half an hour. It was amazing, guys. It freaked us all out. All I really wanted to do secretly inside was pick up a rock and just kill both of them and be done with it and so I could relax and enjoy and not be creeped out by what's on the ground. Because it was like there, and there's our campfire, you know, like, and then the whole campsite was there, so I had to be like, oh, yeah, let's let them live, you know. Like, um, <laughs> like, let's let nature take its course, you know, like. 
But, and so what ended up happening is this, anyways, I won't tell you what it does, because it's pretty grotesque, actually. But, um, this, in our research of watching this all, we all figured out that this tarantula hawk thing has the second most painful sting out of all any insect. And it's like second to the bullet ant or whatever that is, you know. And it won't kill you, it's just the most intense pain. Well, I don't know what the most intense pain, because I didn't get stung, but a very intense pain for an insect sting for three minutes, and then it goes away. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, hmm, the boy in me was like, I wonder what that feels like. You know, it'd be kind of cool on my list to have, yeah, I know what the second most intense insect sting feels like, you know. And then I started calculating, okay, three minutes. I used to do wall sits for three minutes and diving, you know. Like, that was pretty hard, actually. Three minutes on a wall sit, like, that was pretty hard. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I can bear three minutes. But I was actually calculating. And the reason I'm bringing this back to this is, look, like, sometimes we can stay in pain if we know it'll end. And this is the goal. This is, I can endure hardship if I keep today in perspective. Today's today, but tomorrow it will be different. You know, I can actually, God can actually develop in me a steadfastness. And patience, a patient endurance. What does it mean I'm like patiently waiting in peace and boredom? It means I'm enduring while I'm moving towards a goal, no matter what happens. And um, that's a great thing to have. I work with a lot of people in my clinical therapy role. And um, there's t- there's a thing I notice in people, you know, when people are enduring hardships, is one, um, people... Some people have what's called resiliency. And that resiliency is that ability to just keep going despite the pain. Or they get knocked down and they get up. And they get knocked down and they get up. And it's just amazing to me to see people with resiliency. And then some people just don't have it. And I'm not, like, I'm not mad. I'm not saying, huh, they don't have it. Ha ha. You know, like, I feel bad for that. Like, this, they just don't have it. And I've always wondered, like, what? Is it like a genetic thing? Is it like a... Is it a parenting thing? Is it a trauma thing? Like, what is it in a person? And we all don't have it to a certain extent. Nobody's perfectly resilient. But I realize it's connected to one word. Now, I could be wrong on this. This is where I've developed as far as my, like, observing people and to age 41. So in 10 years, I might change my mind. But So don't hold me to this. But to now, I've realized it comes down to one word, and the word is hope. They hope. And it's not just hope. It's hope in something real. They hope in something real. And that allows them to have resiliency. And boy, isn't that a gift for today? For tomorrow? For the next day? For the next day? For the next day? Hope. And that's what God can develop in this. Also, because of eternity, there's a challenge here. Okay, and the challenge is this, is I can live a holy and godly life. Not that you can do it on your own, not that you don't need help, and not that you have to do it to achieve this heaven, but that you can make a difference here in this world by gathering this multitude, and you can actually live a life of blessing, of maturity, of peace. Not perfect blessing, not perfect maturity, not perfect peace, Still with trouble, but not gratuitous trouble. It's kind of like this. Like there's two paths in life, and one path is trouble, and one path is a little bit less trouble. 
or a lot less trouble. And this path has hope and meaning, and this path is just trouble. Now, I don't know. I mean, we can all, we can, I think good people can argue about my, I'm, I'm simplifying something very complex. And so don't, just understand that. That's a very simplistic term. There's a lot more, and the Bible is a lot more nuanced and very detailed when it comes to these things. So, but essentially, I think if we all are at the end of our life, we will all say that. Um, you can go and advance the slide. So here's, here's, here, let me just wrap up with this. We are a part of gathering this multitude or being a part of this multitude that it describes at the end. And I look forward to the day to actually really relate to you and to live in a world that is not wrought with ugliness and justice and sin and pain and um, disease and illness and depression and sadness and frustration and roadblocks and all of this. And being able to relate to people to have a friendship without hurt, without sexual tension, without frustration, without wondering, are they mad at me? Are they not mad at me? Do they like me? Do they not like me? Do they, like, where are we at? I don't care what they think. Screw them. You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't it be nice to have a real relationship? This is real. I'd like you guys to pull out your connection card now. And I want to invite the band to come up on stage and the ushers to get ready to prepare to, to, prepare to receive the offering. Um, on those connection cards, if you could just continue filling that out, there is a place in there I want to bring your attention to. It's called My Next Steps Today. And here's a few of the next steps I want to bring your attention to that you may want to take and walk away and work with this week. Um, and here they are. If you could advance the slide and then I could do the next steps. There we go. Um, Express my gratitude for what God has promised. You may just want to spend some time this week just expressing your gratitude for what God has promised. Just spend some time in worship. Spend some time thanking Him for this. Or also, maybe this whole series has kind of led you to like, hey, you know what? It's interesting to see the parts of the Bible, you know, surveyed out like this. I've never actually read this thing. I want to figure this out. Maybe... Develop a plan to read through the whole Bible. If you've never done that. And if you are a member here, um, this is only open to our members, so I apologize for that. Well, it's, there's a reason why. But if you are a member here, um, we do have a training program. It's called North Star. And it starts in the fall or late summer of every year. And it basically is um, the first year of it you do read through the whole Bible. And it just gives you a little bit more training. It's pretty intensive, so you really want to count the cost of this. But I just want to put that bug in your ear that that is available to members um, if you haven't done that yet. Um, so anyways, that's there too. Um, we're going to go ahead and receive the offering now if I just want to do this. We are a, um, and then you'll put your connection cards in the offering basket at the end. We're a, uh, Members sponsored and, you know, people who come around here, they sponsor our organization. We're fully funded by you guys. And we really appreciate that. You know, um, if you're a guest here, don't feel any obligation to give. This is just really something that we do because um, we're part of that battleship, not part of the cruise ship. And we really move this mission forward. And your generosity is great. I appreciate it. It keeps us moving forward. And um, we have a lot of different ways to give. One is now in the service. We also have online giving. We have bill pay that you can set up with your bank. And then we also have text giving. And the number's there on the screen. If that helps you simplify your way of uh, giving here, we'd like you to check that out. 
Um, also, um, if you are a first-time attender, if this is your first time here, you haven't been here in a while, I want you guys to go grab a mug, a coffee cup. It has a really sharp logo. Um, they're really cool. So we want to give you that as just a gift. We were expecting you to come, and we want to say thank you, and we really hope that you feel welcome today. And just realize today, like we said, is today is a day put on by our our lay leaders and our volunteers and completely feels and looks different than any other normal Sunday. And I really think everybody's done a great job. I appreciate the band. It's been Jared has been leading us, and it's been great. And um, with Cody being gone, and so... Um, yeah, it's just been a great day. So we're going to go ahead and continue with worship. And then um, I'm going to go ahead and pray. And then we're going to sing a song. And then we'll wrap up. So, Lord, I just thank you for your love and your mercy, God. I really thank you that what we've said today, Lord, is true. Um, it's not it's not just true, though, Lord. It's real. And um, that that is kind of where the crux of this whole thing is, God. It's like moving it from truth to being real in our lives today. So Lord, help us with that, God, because it's hard. Um, help us to understand. Help us to conceptualize your truth, Lord. Help it to make sense to us, Lord. Help us to dig deeper if we don't. Help us to have those conversations if we don't. Help us to look at your word if we don't. And just help us to grow, Lord. We can't learn everything there is to know about you in life in just one sermon. And we can't even learn what there is to know about you in a couple of years, Lord. It takes a long time of walking with you and understanding your truth, Lord, in the context of real life to believe this stuff with a whole heart. So I, I pray and I ask, Lord, that you would ignite people's hearts today. They would know you and that your Holy Spirit would work. And in Jesus' name, amen.